Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hello, everybody. Welcome to This is Civity Radio Show. My name is Gina Valeria, and today I'm here with Katie Birnbaum, Program Manager with Sunday Streets San Francisco. Katie, welcome. It's so great to have you here. Thank you so much for having me, Gina. It's very exciting. (laughs) So first, let's tell everybody, what is Sunday Streets? What is this? So Sunday Streets um, is an open street event uh, started in 2008 in San Francisco, and we block one to four miles to car traffic and open it up for the community to um, bring out different organizations and nonprofits, um, neighbors, um, local merchants to basically take over the streets um, and do free physical activities for the community. Oh my gosh. And why do this? Well, there's a lot of reasons to do it. It was originally, I said, founded in 2008 by uh, Gavin Newsom. And his uh, push for it originally was for a climate change action um, to reduce carbon emissions. Um, And so that was kind of the impetus for it. But it has grown. And um, we focus a lot on uh, encouraging physical activity in the neighborhoods. So getting folks to be more active, eating healthier, um, and then also potentially mode shift of how they get to work or get to fun um, using more bikes, walking, um, uh, buses, um, and then also to really foster community in the different neighborhoods that we visit um, and have our events at. That's wonderful. Let's start with the, uh, I know that uh, health and fitness is a big part of this uh, in addition to transportation. So let's take the health and fitness aspect. You know, what what's going on in San Francisco that, that we thought this was necessary, that you guys thought this was necessary, and how have you seen it impact the communities yeah absolutely so um there we um they're called uh, communities of concern is the, is the is the technical name for it and it's coming from you know the department of health from san francisco um and so there are a few key um neighborhoods and areas in the city uh that have a disproportionately high rate of um Uh, like obesity, um, diabetes, hypertension, um, so very uh, lifestyle-related preventable diseases. Um, And they tend to be in neighborhoods that are uh, higher in, um, you know, Latino and black populations, also um, Asian populations and low income. Um, So, you know, that was the, the diseases, you know, disproportionately are affecting these neighborhoods. And so... It's really important to, <clears throat> again, encourage. There also have tend to be in neighborhoods that don't have a lot of open space or um, opportunity to play outdoors. Um, so the idea is to, you know, create a space where people can have fun um, and then they can also be introduced to new physical activities. So, you know, yoga studios or the SF uh, Bicycle oh, wow. Coalition will come out, um, you know, different uh, different 
gyms and things will come out and do Zumba classes or, you know, things like that. Um, so exposing people to different ways of becoming physical um, and then also just getting them physically active for that day. Um, and so we have a really positive, um, we do surveys after our events and uh, a majority of our participants say that they are inspired to be more physically active after attending a Sunday Streets event. So oh, that's wonderful. I wonder yeah. if that, I hope that, that that actually the inspiration takes hold right. into action. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have a question. So you're introducing them to them to ways of being physical. A yoga studio is quite expensive and a gym membership is quite expensive. Uh, do you help them understand how they can do these things, you know, without paying that money? Yeah. So, um, I mean, there are... I, the interesting thing, we, so we go to different neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. um, so each neighborhood, uh, we, we do eight events throughout the year. Each neighborhood really has its own flavor to it, um, really depending on what merchants and organizations um, are are in that neighborhood. And then obviously, like, the, the residents and the people who live there. Um, so... Uh, you know, a lot of times the different uh, merchants will offer some types of discounts or something like that. Um, so it makes it a little bit more accessible um, to continue that. But then also a major component of the programming are nonprofits um, that offer most of these services for free or, or opportunities at least to, to get um, exercise or to take classes and things like that. But folks just don't really know about them. So yeah. well, that's the big thing is is I, I, I and I've always felt this no matter what. That, that there's so much out there that we are not aware of. And how do you connect with this? And so I love that Sunday Streets is really providing that that web of connection to where like, oh, I know this is idea this existed. Wonderful. Now I can connect with it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so you mentioned that you're in, quote, communities of concern. What about the what about the remainder of the San Francisco or uh, Bay Area population who, you know, do you find that people across the board are participating or is this generally a place where we're just seeing people in communities of concern? Yeah, so uh, typically about half of the participants come from the neighborhoods um, and then about half come from the greater San Francisco, mostly from San Francisco, but also from around the Bay Area. So East Bay, North Bay, South Bay, all, all of that. That's great. And I noticed uh, on your website the, the numbers that you give and Sunday Streets, it seems as if even though everybody's participating, that it's mostly people from San Francisco. And that's really in contrast to something, say, like the Halloween in the Castro or wherever they're holding it now, where you do see a large influx from other parts. So, you know, and, and we have seen issues at some of those events, you know, issues of violence and, and et cetera. And so we're not seeing the same community building or inherent connectivity that would, we would hope for at an event like this. But mm -hmm. it sounds like at Sunday Streets, because so many people are from the community, that perhaps we're seeing you know, neighborhood to neighborhood connections or other types of community building. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, I mean, to, I guess maybe to take a step back and compare Sunday Streets to yes. some other festivals and things like that. So a major component of Sunday Streets is everything's free. Um, and it's not just free, but it's also non-commercial. So that's a really different feeling that you get. Um, and so everything, uh, there's no sales allowed on the route, um, no fundraising. So just overall, you're not really getting the same, um, you know, level of of kind of, I don't know, hustle and bustle, I guess, <laughs> for lack yeah. of a better word, with that. Um, and then um, because of that, you know, it's, it's for the communities and by the communities that we have these events in. So we do a lot of work um, in community building beforehand and really trying to shape the event for what they want 
want it to be. So a lot of the programming and even the um, promotion of the event comes from word of mouth, which is inherently a little bit more community driven and local. Um, which is to say, it's like we we love people coming from other cities as well. It's not like it's a San Franciscan's <laughs> sure, sure. only event or anything <laughs> like that. Um, and, you know, obviously bringing in the um, people to appreciate the neighborhoods and, you know, go to the businesses and support and all of that is very important. Um, but uh, really focusing on making sure that it provides activities and resources for the neighborhoods. Um is just a, it's a key part of our program and one of our goals. So that's why you know we there's a lot of behind the scenes that happens leading up to the event that I think creates that feeling. Um, and then, like I said, I think that that's also how it gets promoted and people f- hear about it, and then it has that very community feeling. Right. So a lot of work goes into making sure that that's what it's about. It's not just. I mean, it can be organic, but it's not just a hey, we're going to do this and it's happening. You've right. definitely got a goal. How about post-event? Are there places where people can engage, say, online or contribute uh, thoughts or anecdotes or anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, well, we're currently we're in our off season, so um, (laughs) we don't start up until um, April. So our events are going to be from April through November next year. So during the off season, you know, we're a little bit in hibernation mode (laughs) trying to get our ducks in a row. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But then uh, once we kind of have things buttoned up, um, we do start opening up to – uh, basically our planning process, which is going into the different neighborhoods, um, doing community meetings. So that's also, it leads up to the events, but then also um, the, they can talk about the events from the years past and whatnot. So we typically hold like anywhere between two and six community meetings prior to the event and people can come and talk about, like I said, what happened the year before, what they liked, what they didn't like, what they want to do. Um, they can also, there's also multiple volunteer opportunities um, in between the events um, for things like signposting um, and, uh, you know, community outreach, which is like hanging door flyers and things, make sure everybody knows about the event and um, don't get towed and all of that kind of good <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's a lot of ways for people to tune in, um, even when it's not at the event. And we have a lot of volunteer opportunities and a lot of like, I mean, we're, we're kind of an open door kind of organization. <laughs> so if people have an idea, like I will most of the time answer the phone <laughs> and, you know, hear them out and figure out if it's something that we can put into the programming. Excellent. Wonderful. Um, I'd like to take a short break. When we come back, I'd love to explore more about the volunteering and also how you guys engage with the city. So we'll be back in just a minute here on This is Civity Radio. McGruff, the crime dog, here with my nephew Scruff. Get a pencil and write down an important address. It's for the new McGruff comic activity book. And it's full of me. The address is... Scruff McGruff, Chicago, Illinois, 60652. Hey, Scruff McGruff, Chicago, Illinois, 60652. Tells you what to do about guns and about bullies and drugs and about strangers who want to give you a ride. And it's full of games and puzzles too. So for your free copy of my new comic activity book, just write. Not bad. Can I do it again? One more time. You'll be helping me take a bite out of crime. A public service message from this station, the U.S. Department of Justice, the Crime Prevention Coalition, and the Ag Council. 
Hello, welcome back to This is Civity Radio Show. This is Gina Valeria, and I'm here with Katie Birnbaum, Program Manager of Sunday Streets. So we're talking about Sunday Streets, which is this amazing event in San Francisco. It takes place, you said, about eight times a year. Mm-hmm. And streets are closed. People from the community can come out, engage, be active, talk with each other. Um, so it's a pretty incredible event. I want to talk a little bit about... Um, how you engage with the city of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. This seems to be a fairly large logis- logistical endeavor, and streets are closed. People with cars definitely uh, push back on that a lot. Um, yeah. in, 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 more, <laughs> in more high-profile instances, we see uh, Moscone Center getting taken over and traffic just nightmarish. We saw the uh, um, commercial being filmed on the Bay Bridge last weekend or two weekends ago that uh, people got very upset about. So even though Sunday Streets is more neighborhood-oriented, you might not see that through traffic. You're still seeing people with cars. So talk a little bit about how you work this out with the city, uh, you know, all those logistical things. Yeah, absolutely. So the um, the program was initially, initially started by Gavin Newsom. So there was a lot of support by the city, um, and they really threw um, all the resources into getting it off the ground. Um, that was in 2008. So that was a... a a major boon. I mean, there was no way to really do it without a major push from the mayor because it's all, you know, we rely heavily on all of the um, city services in order to actually produce the event. Um, and so since then, um, our relationship with the city has evolved a bit um, and we're working towards becoming um, a little bit more autonomous in our uh and our day-to-day operations, or I shouldn't say more autonomous. We are autonomous in our day-to-day operations, um, but we work very closely with um, a few key agencies that sponsor the event. So um, the SFMTA um, is a lead sponsor for the event, and that you know that's everything from the buses, um, the barricades, uh, <laughs> DPW sweet cl- street cleaning, mm-hmm. the you know officers that control the traffic, and then also the safety officers as well. Um, and then the Department of Public Health is also a major um, advocate and supporter of the event. Um, so they're also a lead sponsor. So, um, And that ties into the healthy um, lifestyle c- component of it and uh, allows us to do more healthy programming um, and not have to, like, you know, seek out other funding sources that may not be aligned with that mm-hmm. as well. Um, so... Um, we have, you know, there's a logistics um, director. Her name is uh, Liza Pratt, and she is phenomenal. Um, and she does, like, I would say the lion's share of kind of working that stuff out. But we have, um, like, basically a standing committee of uh, logistic folks who help us in um, both in during the season and then also in the season planning of just looking at the routes, um, what's going to be problematic, and we kind of you know, what's not, you know, what's, what resources we need, what, um, what they're able to give us and whatnot. And then, um, we kind of work that out in the off season. Um, and then during the season we make tweaks and we have like a standing meeting, um, with that. And so that's been a really great, um, working relationship, um, with their, the logistics team there. Um, and overall they're very supportive of, you know, I mean, like I said, the, uh, for SFMTA, it makes a lot of sense for mode shift, um, you know, and encouraging people to ride more bus- uh, buses and um, the metro and all of that um, and walk and bike. So, yeah. yeah, that sounds good. And and do you find that you get a uh, like, have you seen pushback or complaints from the community? And if so, how, re- I mean, how do you respond? Yeah, I mean, everybody... Um, 
each community is different. And then there's also, you know, each community has all of its different parts of it as well. So it's not like the, you know, the neighborhoods we go to are one cohesive of chunk, you know, like there's definitely different needs and interests. Um, so typically, you know, we do, uh, you know, there are, there are um, concerns that get raised by our community partners. Um, you know, any, sometimes it come up in community meetings and we'll try to resolve it at community meetings. A lot of the time, it'll be a very specific thing that they need or are concerned about, like access to their, um, you know, to their business during the day for delivery or, you know, it's a funeral home and there might be a funeral scheduled. And, you know, we don't want to disrupt these people who live in these communities' lives either, you know, as yeah, much yeah. as we don't want to have people, like, miss their bus and all of that stuff because that's important mm-hmm. um, for the other people who are not attending our event and all of that. So um, we, you know, I, it's it's all over the place in terms of what how we resolve that, but we definitely, um, we uh, oftentimes just have kind of, you know, one-on-one conversations to figure out how to really resolve the issue and if there's a compromise that can be made for, you know, the neighborhood so that the neighbor can have that, the neighborhood can have this like wonderful event and that the business or the, you know, resident can also, you know, do what they need to do. Yeah. And, and that's what I think I love the most is that the issues aren't just pushed under the rug like, well, that's great that you have that issue, but this is more important. It's it's more of a let's sit down, let's hash this out, let's figure it out. Let's make sure we can do something where everyone gets what they need. Yeah. And I think that's a, an amazing approach. And it's not an approach you see all the time. Right. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that's wonderful. <laughs> um, Sunday Streets, it's not just in San Francisco, correct? It's, I, I think it's in Oakland as well. And, 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 and where else is it? Yeah. So San Francisco is one of the first cities in the U.S. to um, start an open streets event. Um, so currently all of the events are really run by the separate cities. So um, Sunday Streets San Francisco just runs the Sunday Streets in San Francisco program. Uh, there is also an Oakland and a Berkeley one, I believe. Um LA has a very large one, New York has one, but they're also, they're popping up all over the country. So in the last, um, I would say three to four years, it's really exploded as a popular idea um, for um, cities to, again, like the, you know, the, <laughs> the hit list of, you know, making people, uh, giving people opportunity to be healthy and active Um encouraging bicycling, walking, but then also things like an opportunity to reimagine a downtown corridor um, without car traffic or um, a way to highlight a new bike lane or something like that. So it's a really interesting way for um, cities to highlight uh, city planning initiatives um, in a way that you can kind of, well, so you can see it without the cars. You can get out, you can be in the street and look at it, you know? Right, right. (laughs) See what it feels like. I mean, and especially in like commercial corridors, um, you know, it's been like a talking point for a long time of uh, removing cars from uh, Market Street and how much that would change that that whole area, you know, and it's an interesting, uh, to, to do it permanently is a major, uh, political feat, I would say, Mm -hmm. but it's an interesting way, uh, open street events are an interesting way to just showcase that and get community support and political buy-in before you have to invest the money. Right. And on that note, you know, things like city planning and new bike lanes, it's not very sexy stuff. It's 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 sort of like, oh, you know, my eyes are going to glaze over now. Not me, but, in you know, yeah. I love this stuff. But you know, like people's eyes glaze over. They don't know how to connect to it. So providing this kind of event where people are actually engaging with each other and then 
sort of infusing it into that, I think is just an incredible idea. And, and, and on that, and so I want to move toward that idea of building community and connecting the community with what's going on in the city. Um, before you have to get at something, uh, you'd said something really brilliant. We, we talked before the show and Katie said something really brilliant about, uh, creating the relationships before decision time so that I, and I can't remember yeah. it anymore, but it was brilliant. Yeah. Um, well, so my background is in political organizing before I got into Sunday streets and, um, that was, <laughs> you know, in the 11th hour, everybody is, you know, really upset about a piece of legislation and the, the effects it's going to have, um, you know, on their neighborhood, on their block. Um, and they're all in a room having to make a decision that's going to affect <laughs> their entire life and livelihood, potentially. Um, and they're meeting people for the first time. They're going to community meetings for the first time. They're getting really thrown into the deep end of, and um, in a really contentious moment and having to make a really important decision. And so the really fun and interesting part of doing Sunday Streets is being able to take a step back um, as a community organizer and just really um, give people an opportunity to connect and come together before it gets political and before decisions have to be made. Um, and that allows them to create the connections um, and, uh, you know, think about ideas that they need and want, like really understand what their community needs um, instead of just having to react to, um, a, you know, a development or something like that. And so it just, yeah, like I said, it just gives them a space to make the, the personal connections um, and build up their own ideas of what they need for their community before they have to go and make a decision. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and yeah, that's such a valuable thing because when you're walking in at decision time, and you don't know the people, the other players in the game, there's no trust there. And, and there's, you know, unfortunately, it, it, we see it all over our current political climate. You know, nationally, we see the two major parties not working together. In cities, we see in San Francisco, this gentrification has completely polarized groups of people. Right. And to have a space where we can, where you can or we can try to, you know, bring people together before we decide whether or not we're going to build that high rise, before we decide whether or not we're going to close Market Street, you know, but right. that, you know, it, it allows people hopefully to understand that that person across from me now, hey, I, I know that person. I know that person's not a jerk. I, I, I blew bubbles with them. Yeah, I blew bubbles with them. <laughs> exactly. I mean, and it's a, it, I mean, it's more than just an, this is my kind of goofier side coming out, but, but more than just like the fact that they're able to come together in a moment of, of non-contention, mm -hmm. but it's also like the activities that are happening, the, the, the sheer kind of um, randomness of our, of our city, you know, of San Francisco and our neighborhoods of just like, wow, like, you know, there is like a capoeira, you know, dance troupe right here. And then there's somebody doing, you know, like GOTV rap over there or, you know, and then there's somebody blowing bubbles over here and somebody in like crazy roller skates over there. And they're all just kind of colliding together. But in the service of fun and like I think that's like just opens people up to just really be able to to talk to each other and have fun with each other which is just a really powerful moment of connection absolutely and it's uh, you know it's funny 
people don't realize that, but fun is the best thing. Like you mentioned blowing bubbles or these crazy things people do. Whether you know the person or not, maybe you've seen your neighbor. All of a sudden you see your neighbor doing this crazy capoeira move and you're like, oh my gosh, well, I had no idea. And, right. and um, exactly. And, and so once that's established, the fun, then you can hopefully take that into a moment when you have to make community decisions or find solutions mm -hmm. and work together rather than seeing that person as the other and being suspicious or distrustful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and I you know it's amazing that you've got you've had both sides of that coming from the you know the decision point or the community organizing at the high political level now you're doing this work on community building mm -hmm. and just what an incredible perspective you get having to see both sides of that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's an interesting thing. I mean, on the other side, being more on the political organizing side, something that, um, you know, we would, <laughs> there would be <laughs> these things, you know, we, okay, we need to go, we need to mobilize people to to, to a, a public comment or, you know, things like that. Um, but there aren't necessarily these community organizations to go to. I mean, there are, there's a ton of community organizations doing a ton of work in a lot of neighborhoods, but not necessarily in the political realm or like not in some of these very key little pockets. And again, in these neighborhoods that tend to be um, forgotten in the electoral process. I mean, particularly like the Bayview is like just like nobody ever really spends much time out there. Um, uh, but partly because there's not necessarily like a political entity to go to or like a, a set organization to or set of people to go to, to, right. to go and see if they are interested in, in your political thing right. that you're doing or not. Like, you know, so it's really important for on the political side of things when things do get, you know, have to go to that decision point to have um, organizational structures in place in these communities that can then disseminate and mobilize people. So. Absolutely. And Sunday Streets is helping to do that work by allowing those organizations to be there on mm -hmm. that day. Right. And get people to know, which I love. Um, we're going to take one more quick break. All right. Um, and when we come back, I want to talk about how, how the regular person, how you and I can get involved in Sunday Streets. Okay. We'll be right back. Which teacher your kids are most likely to choose as a role model this year in school? I'm Donnie Osmond, and it's the person who teaches them about music. Not sports, or English, or history. Music. Are you surprised? Well, you shouldn't be, because music teachers have always played an important role in the lives of their students. They help our kids tap into their natural creativity. They teach them about cooperation and self-discipline. It's a bonus that when kids have learned about scales and clefts, they find math and English concepts easier to grasp. That's because of how music education expands a young person's spatial IQ. Reading poetry or solving an equation is easier if kids know their sharps and flats, and that's a fact. Help your kids get to know their music teacher at school. Get them involved in music this year. A PSA brought to you by MENC, the National Association for Music Education, and the National Anthem Project, the campaign to restore America's voice through music education. Music, part of a sound education. Press Pass Radio brings you Sports Talk every Friday at 1 p.m. on KSFS. Join us as we talk Niners, Raiders, Giants, A's, Warriors, and Sharks. As well as any national stories in the world of sports. We promise to bring on some of the best sports writers in the Bay Area. Paul Gutierrez, San Francisco 49ers beat writer for ESPN. Thanks for uh, taking some time out of your busy schedule to join us today. Absolutely, absolutely. You can listen live at ksfsmedia.net slash radio. On Twitter at PressPass underscore KSFS. Welcome back to This is Civity Radio Show. I'm Gina Valeria. We're here today with Katie Birnbaum with Sunday Streets. Um, Katie, I want to talk to you a little bit about, it's a community event, Sunday Streets. 
in the streets of San Francisco where everyone can come out and walk around and get exercise, build community. What if I want to do more than that? What if I want to be engaged with Sunday streets? What can I do? Yeah, absolutely. So there's... um it's a very open event, <laughs> and so the ways to get involved are, are uh, varied. So, yeah. Um, well, I would say, you know, we always need volunteers. It's a, it's a volunteer-run program, so, you know, everything from making sure the intersections are safe to setting up barricades, telling people about, you know, the event at the information booth. You know, we have anywhere between, like, 70 and 150 volunteers who actually make the events possible, so volunteer <laughs> volunteer at sunday streets sundaystreetssf.com all the volunteer information is on there um another really uh important way to get involved is to bring um your local organization um or nonprofit out so um we're always looking for program partners um it's you know a really easy event to do for small uh, nonprofits um and a really great way to get into some very um specific uh, demographics for outreach you know um and uh again like being able to connect with people in a fun way <laughs> so if there's <laughs> any kind of, you know, nonprofits that do any kind of sports or, um, you know, physical activity or nutrition things. Like, it's very easy to do an interactive um, type of, uh, you know, booth at the at the event um, and have a really great traction and get um, out there. So, I'd say bring your bring your organizations to Sunday streets, <laughs> um, volunteer at Sunday streets. And then, you know, we're always, uh, every nonprofit, you know, uh, donations are always helpful as well. And we're in our, in our fundraising season right now. So yeah. Absolutely. Um, tell me what is play streets? Play streets. So play streets is, um, a new initiative, um, that, uh, is the kinks are being worked out a little bit right now, but basically it's going to allow folks to have, um, small, like one to two block, um, parties basically. Um, but to streamline the process for, for just like na regular neighborhood people that want to <laughs> do a street event, okay. open street event. Um, cause currently the permitting process to get, um, even one block, uh, one block or four miles <laughs> is pretty much the same process. And it's a 17 page form and oh you have gosh. to go through a review, potentially go, you know, and sit in front of like a meaningful room full of, of decision makers. And it can be kind of anxiety inducing. And like I said, whether that's for one block or four miles, yeah. same difference. So, um, play streets initiative is to, um, make it, that whole process simpler. Um, so it would be just like a simple one page form waiving fees. Um, and then folks can have like one, you know, a block party in their neighborhood um, that, you know, allows them to really do whatever they want, whenever they want in their, their streets, because it is ultimately, you know, the public streets. That's true. Um, what a wonderful idea, because um, we had talked a little bit offline, uh, Katie and I, about the idea that a government, even a city government, can be such a daunting and intimidating place mm -hmm. for just the average citizen who doesn't engage often. And the process you just described, the 17-page paper, the, the panel of decision makers, I can just picture that. Uh, it, it, it's it's if I want to just do something simple on my street with my neighbors, uh, I'm probably just going to be like, eh, it's not worth it. Right. And 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 so I this seems like an incredible way to connect community with government in a way that's less intimidating or less daunting. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And empowering. I mean, I think that's like the first, um, 
you know, if you can if you can go ahead, fill out this one piece of paper, send it in, and then you get to own an entire block, you know? Like yeah. that's an empowering <laughs> feeling of like, yes, like, well, for one, this is this is my city mm-hmm. and the streets are also my streets. I pay taxes and you know, <laughs> and I you know, I ha- I deserve access to them as well. Um, and then to, yeah, be able to just, you know, really be able to do that for yourself and for your neighbors and, and have really whatever event you want at that point then, you know. Yeah. Oh, I love that. The other thing I noticed on your website, which I really thought was wonderful, if, if I or if anybody listening wants to just um, – have a have you know less than a block party just ha- get community members together there are ideas with mm-hmm. links and step by step which i loved and i just want to talk about a, uh, an antidote i have a, a friend who lives in oakland i'll call it richard raya he's involved in this in the city of oakland and he he's definitely a community builder but in his neighborhood people weren't hanging out and they've got a little parklet there mm-hmm. and no one was using it of course because it's it's parklet it just seems so he thought one day you know what i'm barbecue and so he basically told the neighbors and he went out there with a grill and people came out and he said the response was incredible they mm-hmm. they you know wow we never have community events like this i don't know my neighbor and i can't believe this is being done all of a sudden people started talking to each other they started getting friendlier with each other mm-hmm. they wanted to do it more often and they didn't even have to close the street they just walked onto the right. parklet with a grill and right. started doing it and yeah. and i saw that sunday streets rec- um, suggested that kind of event and others and yeah. and i just want to commend you for doing that can you talk a little bit about how that came about and what you're what you're suggesting and how easy it might be for people yeah i mean you know i think they're we're just it's so busy these days you know everybody is so busy um just trying to make ends meet and you know get to their job and get home and you maybe get you know dinner cooked you know on a good day and so that I think that a lot of times the um the things like getting to know your neighbors having a you know a block party or even just like a neighborhood barbecue or something like that often does just kind of fall by the wayside you end up going and and hanging out with the friends that you already know um and so that idea of really like you know creating community um under you know knowing your neighbors and kind of the power of that so I mean just kind of trying to encourage and inspire people to be friendly you know to (laughs) to say hello to you know to to go um you know take that first step um, because that is always the response is that, oh, my God, it's so great to have a neighborhood, to totally. know my neighbors, like because it feels amazing to have a sense of community and to know the people who live around you. And I think that, I mean, even more so in a city where you're constantly surrounded by folks because um, of just the density of living in an urban mm-hmm. area. You're so used to not paying attention to the people that are literally like three inches away from your face on the muni. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and what does that do to human beings? I mean, because we're social creatures, and you know what? What does effect does that have? It's like it's it's grating. I think after a while, and so and then on the flip side of it, it can feel incredibly inspiring and fulfilling, and just I think in some ways calming too to really know that you have neighbors that you know for one might might enjoy barbecue with you but then also down the road like yeah maybe if you 
are getting evicted or you are, you know, having to move or whatever else, like they may have, they may be able to help you and just like, you know, have a home base basically. Yeah, exactly. You never know what this network of people is going to do for you or what you're going to be able to do for them or or how it's all going to come together. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I've always found that it's always worth it to make that extra effort. Even when, yeah, even when you're tired, as you said, we're all busy. Even when it's like, I just don't feel like pulling this together or I just don't feel like going. Mm -hmm. I, I always find that when I make the effort to do it, it pays off so much in the new relationships that are built, the networks, the discoveries. Right. And, and yeah, and you never know how that's going to pay off, but but it can. Right, right. And I think the stakes are, I mean, the stakes are always high for that kind of thing, but the stakes are even higher now. We're starting to hear more stories of, um, you know, in Oakland as it's gentrifying, uh, you know, some darker skinned neighbors are finding that the police are being called on them mm-hmm, by mm-hmm. newer neighbors because the newer neighbors didn't know they lived in their neighborhood and right. are uncomfortable. And that's, that's not, a, that, that is not a good dynamic. And no, it's, it's, it's really dangerous. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's dangerous and it's destructive. I mean, and that, and that's exactly, yeah. I mean, those opportunities, like, you know, like I said at Sunday streets, but also mm-hmm. just on any given day to really get to know the people around you mm-hmm. <laughs> and actually take them in, you know, like actually recognize their personhood and not just that they're another person, like entity in the elevator you need to turn away from. Totally. Exactly. <laughs> people, connections. Come on. Yeah. Exactly. And own them as this is my neighbor. This is my community member. Mm-hmm. We're we're going to be a team for better or worse. This is our team right now. And right. and And I think, you know, what's so compelling about Sunday Streets is that it can help build this. And what's so compelling about uh, uh, play streets and these other ideas you have is that these are structurally sound and really easy ways to start building this. And and when you mention danger, yes, I mean it's not just hey I don't know my neighbor and I'm cut off and isolated. It's if I call the cops on someone who looks suspicious that I don't realize is my neighbor, that person can get killed. I mean the stakes are that high. Right. Right. And and you know so knowing people and trusting people and and on the flip side, if you do have someone in your neighborhood that you're suspicious of for a good reason. Well, if they know you know them, then they're probably less likely to do something stupid. Right. So it's both sides. You know, most people are good and decent people. But if you happen to not have a good and decent person in your neighborhood, when they know the community is there. Right. Right. You know, so. Yeah. And also, (laughs) you know the people around you, you know when somebody is not from your neighborhood, (laughs) too. I mean, there's also that aspect of it. But yeah. Yeah. And it's... um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so uh, we have just a few minutes left. And so I actually wanted to talk a little bit about, um, go back to your political organizing and what do you think are the biggest, th- I mean, so some of them we've covered, but just to sort of do an overarching thing, what do you think are the most important things a city or county government can do to help connect with its citizens or, or make government more accessible in a way that's sort of real and meaningful? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, the city has so many resources available that so many people don't know about. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> um, that, you know, really investing in real community outreach um, and, you know, going to the community stakeholders who know their communities best in, in advising on that. Um, so that's something that we kind of come up against a lot with Sunday Streets where we'll you know, different programs and whatnot, <laughs> you know, like, we'll, we'll hear their, you know, their engagement um, plan and, 
you know, there's just like some key things that they just like, you didn't go to that organization, you know? <laughs> so like really taking stock of the resources that the community has already created and making sure that they're really supported and that information is getting disseminated through those organizations is a really powerful way, I think, to leverage the already existing resources mm-hmm. in city government that ultimately helps everybody, you know, thrive, you know? Right. So, um, but then I also think that, you know, local, um, you know, political organizations can play a really interesting and important part in being that that bridge between just kind of people who are not engaged mm-hmm. <laughs> in the government or, you know, in politics, really, and then the full-on you know, city agencies, right. <laughs> you're, you know, you're, you're going into the catacombs of city hall. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for that, just like creating spaces for people to feel welcome mm-hmm. and encouraged and empowered that they can actually make a difference, um, and how they can make a difference and specific and just like a lot of education. Cause I think it's such a daunting and, um, I think, you know, daunting and, and people just don't have a lot of faith that, you know, yeah. <laughs> that um, civic engagement really works. But, like, if you can, again, kind of like play right. streets, if you have a one small moment of a victory, like taking somebody to go to a, a public comment. Yeah. Just getting to the room where public comment is at City Hall could take you a half an hour. Totally. You know what I mean? Like, and so <laughs> um, – being that bridge and being those ambassadors and shepherds of people who aren't involved or don't aren't interested in being involved in showing how they can really easily actually make a public comment and have it make a difference um, or or just you know teach them about all of the the ins and outs so they feel empowered to go and do it on their own yeah absolutely and for the person who feels daunted or intimidated by City Hall for very good reasons. Difficult to figure out. The people in there seem very polished and, and mm. I don't know. For, for, for that person, for me, Joe, citizen, what do you recommend? What do you, what do you suggest people do? I mean, we've talked about bringing your community together. We've talked about making connections, building networks. Well, what about at City Hall moment time or what about at connection time with our political uh, machine? Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> I think that again, yeah, gonna... come on, just simple, right? <laughs> um, that's a big one. Well, you know, I think that San Francisco is a neighborhood-driven city in terms of its politics. Um, so all of the supervisors, um, you know, ultimately have really a really big effect on the entire city, but. That's very, <laughs> you know, your supervisor is actually only responsible for a small amount of people. So, like, the you can definitely affect your your neighborhood and what your supervisor advocates for very easily because there's only a, like, a couple hundred thousand people per district. So, even like writing a letter, you know, to your supervisor about something um, is hugely effective in San Francisco because it is just so small in that way. Um, but then also you know, specific neighborhood organizations, um, you know, most neighborhoods have some type of like community planning um, organization of some sort, mm-hmm. um, or they're founding them right now. There's also like a big um, push to do that across the city. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say, you know, keep your eye out for community driven kind of 
or, or organizing events like that. Um, or then there's also some of the traditional like democratic clubs in the city that mm -hmm. um, are, you know, um, always available for people to just get involved. Um, you know, SFID is great for uh you know, younger um, people under 35 um, who are interested uh, in getting into politics. Mm -hmm. um, I'm involved with the Harvey Milk LGBT Democratic Club, mm -hmm. which is a very progressive Democratic club in the city. Um, there's also um, like the Bernal Heights Democratic Club, the Oil <laughs> Democratic Club, the Richmond Democratic Club, the Sunset Democratic Club. So there's like tons, yeah. like every, almost every neighborhood either has like Democratic Club dedicated to their neighborhood mm -hmm. or um, there's one that serves, there's like the FDR Democratic Club. Um, trying to think of some more. <laughs> that, no. NOPA has one. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> and there's also a place like the League of Women Voters or, you know, there right. are these yes. places where. League of Pissed Off Voters is actually no also way. fantastic. <laughs> I've never heard of that one. <laughs> I highly recommend League of Pissed Off Voters. They're very um, data driven um, oh, cool. and smart and fun. Um, oh, cool. So, yeah, as the, as the name as the <laughs> indicates. Name. <laughs> I have got to check that out. Oh, my gosh. Well, we have been talking with Katie Birnbaum at Sunday Streets. Thank you so much for being here, Katie. Thank you so much for having me, Gina. If you are interested in Sunday Streets, you should definitely check it out. The 2016 calendar is currently being worked out. You can find it at sundaystreetssf.com. Exactly. And if you want to do your own little um, community building event, sundaystreetssf.com also has really specific and easy to follow ways you can do that. Uh, so check it out. Uh, again, thanks so much for being here. Thank you. This is Gina Valeria with This Is Civity Radio Show. We'll be back next week. Have a great week. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.